This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 299 of the world's most dangerous moose-centric podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me today for this special edition, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I'm doing great, Chadwick, and I just want to compliment you on that awesome pun to lead things off. Because as we all know, the Reds made a big acquisition this year, and, you know, much like a moose... His name features uh, an animal that can often be found in sort of more temperate northern climates, and that's Mike Trout. Yeah. Oh, see, you're throwing water on the, our parade here. Is that even a <laughs> term? I think I just <laughs> mixed up my uh, my phrases there. Uh, yes, Mike Trout is now a Cincinnati Red. The Reds traded Jose Peraza for him. He will probably be the starting center fielder for the Reds. No, probably. no, no. I mean, there's competition. There's competition. No, I wish that we were. I can't wait to do that emergency podcast. Uh, t- <laughs> today we're doing a podcast because the Reds actually did make a free agent signing, and it's a fairly significant one, and not necessarily one that uh, most of us expected. We had kind of talked about it just a little bit, but never really seriously. The Reds signed Mike Mustakas, most recently of the Milwaukee Brewers, to a four-year deal for sixty-four million. Dollars. That is the largest, just in sh- actual dollars, largest free agent contract in Reds history. Previous largest was to uh, one handed out to uh, Francisco Cordero. And the largest previous contract for position player was Ryan Ludwig. And, and that entire contract was in the neighborhood of $17 million. Moustakas is going to get uh, you know $16 million a year average annual value. Mike Moustakas, Jason Linden, what do you think about uh, this signing and uh, and what does it mean? Uh, well, what I think about this signing could be summed up by the following phrase. Uh, okay. Really? Um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm pretty enthusiastic about it. I, I have I have the lukewarm take, as is my way. Let's see. Um, I, well, okay. It, it depends. You know, I, I think the consensus has been that, that defense is at an all-time low in terms of its value, both because of shifting and because of how few balls are actually put in play right now. So, I mean, looking purely from an offensive standpoint, Mike Moustakis at second base obviously is going to be a very significant upgrade. Um, it kind of depends on how much you really want to rely on wins above replacement. I mean, you know, if, if you want to go off of re- wins above replacement and, like, I'm not... I should say, suggesting that we do this, but if one were to go off of wins above replacement, one could make a case that Mike Moustakis is not a significant upgrade over Jose Iglesias. Um, I am not such a person who is inclined to make a statement like that, but one could. Um, I think in in my neck of the woods, we'd say mercy. Over the you know over the last three years or so, Iglesias has been about a two-win player. Moustakis has been about a a two-and-a-half-win player a year. It's not a huge upgrade. Um, If you believe in wins above replacement, especially where defensive metrics are concerned, I am, I should note, and I think that's been clear when I've been on the podcast of late, is like I'm much more focused right now on on the need to build the offense, in which case I think this is a very significant upgrade, um, and I think that it will be uh, excellent for the Reds. Um, you know, there's there's good power there. There's kind of good hitting overall. Um, I wish he got on base just a little bit more, but I can live with what we get. And certainly for a second baseman, second base was uh, was the weakest offensive position other than catcher uh, in baseball last year. So 
um, having a well above average hitter at second base uh, is really a, a nice, a nice, uh, a nice thing to have. I've gotten to the point where I almost completely disregard anything regarding uh, metrics as they come as when it comes to defense. So I think yeah, I pretty much do too. Yeah, um, so I mean, I, you can make that argument that you just made. That's a that's a bold take here at the top of this podcast, uh, mentioning Jose Iglesias so early in the show, but. Uh, you know, Moustakas is, uh, at, at worst, an average fielder at second base by the metric. He was an above-average, not not a gold glover, but an above-average third baseman. Um, he's not awful. He's not going to kill you. And with shifting, even that, that's well, going to be minimized. In, in fairness, he was pretty much a, an, a scratch third baseman. He was an average third baseman. Um, you get a, a positive positional adjustment for third base. So that, you know, he basically was fielded as well as the average third baseman did. Okay, well, I'll take that. I mean, you know, we're, yeah. we're not talking about a guy that's going to be a liability. Right, yeah, he's, he's not a liability. Um, though, you know, interestingly, here, I'm just going to set the whole podcast on fire, okay? According to Fangraphs, uh, in 2018, Mike Moustakis was good for 2.4 wins above replacement. Guess which former Reds middle infielder was good for 2.6 wins above replacement in 2018? Scooter Jeanette. Incorrect. Uh, you have to, I don't know. Tell me. Jose Peraza. Oh, yes. Yes. Former that you see, you got me there. You tricked yeah. me with a technicality. I'm just, I'm just catching everything on fire right now. Uh, yes, yes. Well, baseball reference, he was uh 3.2 and, uh, you know, uh, during his age 26 season, he was a 4.4 win player. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, Moustakas I'm talking about. And I'm glad it happened. Um, I will be even more glad that it happened when the Reds make at least two other signings and or acquisitions. Absolutely. We're going to get to that uh, later in this podcast uh, in terms of what it all means. But let me uh, let me steer this podcast back into the lane that I uh, wanted to go in, which is that I'm pretty optimistic about it. And there are some reasons for that. First of all, um, I've been talking for a while that the Reds need to do something to move the needle, quote-unquote move the needle. This moves the needle. Now, it yes. doesn't move the needle as much as some people think it does no i mean uh you know uh some people are gonna say whoa three-time all-star uh you know uh world champ with the uh with the royals play his playoff experience um major signing and no it's it's not i mean this is not a huge 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 signing in a vacuum but it does improve the reds offense in my mind substantially Reds second basemen were among the worst in the league last year No, no question on that, and I agree with you completely. And that's that's why I like it. Just that it's it's such a huge upgrade offensively at a position where the Reds were desperate to uh, get an upgrade. So that's why I'm excited about it. Do I think he's an All Star? No, he's going to be 31 this year. Um, do I think that he's yeah he he may not be good for the entirety of this four year deal? I think for the next two years though he's very likely to be a positive contributor to the offense, and that's exactly what the Reds needed to get. And uh, so so I'm pretty excited about it. With you know uh, the caveat that come on, I mean it's, we're not talking talking about Mike Trout here. You know it's a yeah. it's a it's a it's an upgrade. The Reds need to make some upgrades. They're, they can't be finished if this is all they do. Then they've screwed up this off season. But it's a nice start. Yeah, wasn't and I might be getting my chronology wrong, but wasn't the first move that the Reds made last year when they got Tanner Roark? Uh, possible. Uh, yeah, I think it was. They traded Rainey for a Roark. Yes. Right. Yeah, because I remember that we, we had a podcast, and our, our reaction was, I think, kind of similar, which is like, uh, okay, all right. Good start. Good start. Let's not have this be all. Right. Well, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think we're almost, we're sort of in the same uh, area. I think it depends on how you want to look at it. I just, I just see it as being such a significant upgrade at a position where the Reds really were awful last year. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Offensively. And so, uh, he's you know, let's, let's talk about... Uh, Mustakas, what he's going to actually be. He's been essentially the last couple of years. He's been a, essentially a three-win player. Um, last season, two fifty-four, three twenty-nine uh, on base, thirty-five homers. Um, as a one thirteen uh, WRC plus, weighted runs created plus. Uh, you know, he just uh, his projections are looking like two fifty-eight average, three twenty-two slugging, thirty-three home runs. If you average the projection systems. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, good. I mean, you know, not great. His on-base percentage is not what uh, you'd like to see necessarily. Uh, but he does have – his walk rate has been increasing the last couple of years. I don't know if that's uh, uh, 
as a result of him trying to do something or someone working with him or what it is or him just learning the, the, the zone better. But his walk rate's been getting better. And he does have a very low strikeout rate, and he's got some pop. He's uh He's yeah, pretty, there's he's pretty there's good. A, there's a lot to like. I mean, I'll be honest. I had, he's not a you know I knew who he was, but he wasn't somebody I paid a lot of attention to. Um, from what I can tell, he seems to be kind of like an extreme fly ball type hitter. Not a lot of line drives uh, compared yes. to league average. Yeah, the, the numbers are off the charts in terms of his yeah. fly ball percentage. Yes, which probably explains why his batting average on balls in play is so low. Which also explains why his batting average isn't. You know, for somebody who only strikes out about 16% of the time, you would expect him to be hitting 280, 290. Right. Um, but he's not, and it's because it's everything is in the air. And hopefully a lot of those balls in the air will settle into the first and second row at the Great American Ballpark this year. Yes. You know, he, he's, he's not the best three-time All-Star in the world, <laughs> you know. Um, but he is a three-time All-Star uh, because he's been, you know, pretty good and and occasionally uh, a little bit better than that so i don't know that we can expect him to do anything better than what we've seen but if he's a three-win player next year you know yes i'll take that at second base that, the reds i think red second baseman combined were 0.2 wins above replacement this year this past year so that sounds about right so it's an upgrade you know it's can't yeah. be, it can't be the last one um now in terms of what it means just for the Reds this year, the, the biggest thing that it says to me is uh, they've announced that Moustakas, who's played mostly third base, but he did play a lot of second base last year, um, and is, they've announced he's going to play second base for the Reds. Uh, and so what that means is essentially Nick Senzel uh, is the Reds' center fielder for the um, immediate future. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Um, I think it's interesting. Um you know, Joel Luckhop, friend of the podcast, um, I never know if I say his name, last name right or not, for the record. Who cares? Say, He's not really a friend of the podcast, so I don't care. You can say whatever you want about him. <clears throat> well, anyway, he said that he thought the Reds were still looking for a center fielder, and then they might have Senzel at a corner spot or maybe kind of floating around a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, I think Nick Senzel still has a lot of potential things that he can do. I think he had a rough year last year. Um, and people probably have forgotten about him a little bit. It's probably a little easy to get down on him. But he's, you know, he's one of those spots where it would be easy to imagine that all of a sudden, you know, he wasn't, he didn't even really, at least by fan graphs, make it to one win above replacement last year once his hitting tailed off. Um, and it would be really easy to imagine him all of a sudden being a three or four win player. Yes. Um, I'm going to go on the record as saying he's going to be the breakout player on the Reds this year, and if he gets less than two and a half wins, then I'll be very, very surprised. I, I just think, it's presuming health, which you can't do necessarily. But so, Chad just predicted Nixon Zell is the 2020 National League MVP. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wear that. <laughs> I've been known to make crazy predictions before. I'll, let's add that one to the list. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. It does seem to, to signal that Senzel is uh, is an outfielder now. Um, and, you know, the Reds do have some flexibility also. You, I, I can imagine Senzel, like if Suarez gets a day off, obviously Moustakis goes to third, and maybe Senzel gets the spot started second there. I don't know. You know, you can you can imagine all number of potential things. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit more in a moment. I hope that Freddie Galvis gets some of those spot starts because he's your backup at shortstop and second base. Um, not that I don't want Senzel playing second base. I'm just saying I'm hoping yeah. that that's one of the future uh, acquisitions is, is a shortstop. Again, we'll talk about that in a moment. And we'll also talk about what you mentioned, I think you're right, um, about Senzel is an outfielder. Let's not say center fielder just yet because I think there's a couple names out there that might make sense for the Reds to go out and attempt to acquire and who they've kind of been uh, rumored to be uh, mentioned with. That could cause Senzel to be a corner outfielder. Again, that solves problems too, so I'm no, I don't have a problem with that. But let's talk about the other transactions this week before we try to put all this in context context of uh, what the Reds are going to do the rest of the way. Um, arbitration. The Reds uh, came to terms with Travis Jankowski before uh, before arbitration. Uh, one point. Let's see what was it. One point zero five million, I believe. That's yeah. what they agreed to with uh, with Travis Jankowski. Um, the MLB trade rumors had projected him to get one point two million in arbitration, so the Reds probably saved a little bit. But he's uh, you know he's your he's your going to be a backup outfielder potentially, uh, backup center fielder. You know. Um, yeah. is what he is. I don't know a lot about Travis Jankowski yet because I can't say that I paid mm. much attention to him with when he was with the Padres. If he even makes the team, I mean, you know, right. we'll see. Yeah, 
He's the guy that the Reds uh, acquired uh, at the end of October. Uh, I think they traded San Diego some uh, like international signing money for yeah. him. So he's our international signing bonus money guy. Um, also, more interesting, Jose Peraza was not tendered a contract, and so Jose Peraza is now a free agent. He was projected to make $3.6 million in arbitration, and uh, again, had a good 2018, as we've discussed uh, ad nauseum here on the podcast, had a really rough 2019. Yeah. Did play 141 games, but uh, not not good numbers across the board. So he is currently a free agent, and uh, the Reds have made some noise about, well, we, you know, we'd like to bring him back if we can, but... He's free to sign with anyone. Thoughts on Peraza? Because you've been a you've been a Peraza booster. Uh, I have too, but I've, and I've agreed with you. But you have, uh, I, I, yeah. Last year, I mean, you know, when he never put it together, I, I think even I at some point was like, okay. Um, yes, and I, you know, he's somebody I could imagine. I don't know. I don't know where he'd fit on the team. Frankly, I could imagine him. I don't know, getting re-signed and maybe hanging at Louisville in case of injury. Um, but I don't, you know, unless Galvis is your everyday shortstop, which I hope he's not, and we'll get there in a second, as you said, I don't know where Peraza fits. Yeah, I don't see it. And, and frankly, the Reds said the things about, uh, you know, eh, we're going to bring him back maybe, you know, um, yeah. or we'd like to like to explore bringing him back. But then Dick Williams' quote uh, in the uh, interview that he had with uh, Reds Media, uh, Mark Sheldon reported it, was... <laughs> Jose Peraza, he's done a lot of things and brought us team speed. That's the best he could say about him. He's done a lot of things and brought us team speed. Um, then he said, we just with the way the middle of infield shaking out, guys we have in the fold and free agents out there we're talking to and some of the young players we have coming up, just wasn't in the cards for us to make that kind of commitment. I should say that in terms of free agents that they're talking to, they Reds have not officially announced, as far as I know at press time here, that they've not actually announced the Mustaka signing yet, although everyone has reported it as uh, being yeah. uh, being done. They're just waiting to cross all the cross the T's and dot the I's, as we say. Yeah. So Peraza, I don't think anyone. Were you, were you surprised he got non-tendered? I, I wasn't. No, I, it, it's one of those things where I wouldn't have been surprised either way. I don't right. think. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can make a case for him being a, a helpful guy because he can play so many positions and. Uh, he does have some, you know, contact skills, and he has had in the past looked good at times. But tough to pay him, uh, you know, three and a half million or whatever for that role. Anyway, the next one is uh, Kevin Gausman. Kevin Gausman. 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 I never know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, he also was a uh, non-tendered, but it was a little more interesting because the Reds kind of went down to the wire with him, and it, the 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 talk was that the Reds were really uh, pushing hard to work out a, a maybe even a two three year deal for him. He Gosman's projected to make ten point six million in arbitration. The Reds didn't want to offer him that since they saw him as just a reliever, which makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I no doubt in my mind that he was going to get non tendered. Right. Well, no, he was either going to get non-tendered or the Reds were going to sign him to right. uh, another contract. So what I thought, uh, I mean, even a longer contract that money that's more reasonable for a for a reliever. Uh, they couldn't work anything out. They uh, they made the same uh, statements about Dick Williams did about wanting to bring him back potentially, but he is a free agent at this point. Now, Galsman, I would like to see them try to bring him back. I would like to see him as a reliever uh, under Derek Johnson. And, uh, you know, I saw enough of him at the end of the season. made me think he has some potential as a uh, even a shutdown relief pitcher, but uh, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, not that, again, it's not my money, but still, it yeah. just doesn't make much sense to, to give him $10 million when there are other places to uh, to improve. Agreed. All right, you agreed with me. Well, you know, I got I to throw you a bone every once in a while. I appreciate that. It means so much. Uh, boy, the holiday seasons. I tell you what, your uh, your heart has grown three sizes already. It, it, well, don't tell that to my students. <laughs> okay. I, as a matter of fact, I won't tell that to your students, Jason Linden. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Now, I want to talk about what's next, and some. What what is next? We're going to tell the listeners here. Um, there are certain rumors about the, the Reds being involved in uh, uh, negotiations for different players and who they should be. And and the most uh, interesting rumors right now that continue to, uh, not really even rumors, uh, report actual reports, are that the Reds are still one of the teams that are hot and heavy in pursuing Zach Wheeler. 
the Mets, uh, the pitcher formerly of the Mets, um, along with the White Sox, Twins, Rangers, and Blue Jays. Uh, now, the report was that Wheeler has already been offered a, at least one contract for five years and $100 million. And yeah. so that's probably the floor here. You would expect that he's going to make uh, somewhere north of that. <clears throat> I have some particular thoughts about the web, re, whether the Reds should pursue Zach Wheeler and whether he makes sense, but I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are first. So I want you to throw some... Uh, you know, I think it's really interesting. I think um, the Reds are in a weird place right now in terms of starting pitching in that the big league rotation as it stands right now, which it would be Castillo, Gray, uh, Bauer, DiSclefani, and Malley. That's a good rotation. That's, sure. a, that's a fantastic rotation, really. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But it's not, there's no depth. Um, and, you know, one of the things is that Mally still has options. Yep. Um, <clears throat> which I didn't realize because the option rules are weird. I'm, I'm convinced that the only person in the world who understands them is Doug Gray. Um, but he, and, he and, yet, and yet it's the only thing Doug Gray understands. Well, I mean, it was the one thing it took all of his brain power and the rest is just goop. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, easy to imagine him being in triple a even though i don't think and i I, re- I realize that some people are bothered by his era but like i think if you look at at his peripheral stats certainly from last year he, he comes off comes across as really somebody you, you think is is due to have a good little season uh, i think mally fits in the rotation but you need depth and and the only other pitchers starting pitchers on the 40 are guys who've never don't have any major league experience so the point of this ramble is does it make sense to pursue starting pitching? Yes. Uh, Zach Wheeler? I mean, sure. I, I think that if you're going to pursue Zach Wheeler, I would almost be interested in seeing that then lead to a deal where one of your uh, pitchers whose, whose control is running out, like a Bauer or a Sclafani, then maybe gets packaged with some prospects to bring something else back. I'm not sure that that would happen, um, but I could imagine it happening. Yes. I agree with all that. I think I'm, I'm really interested in the, the fact that the Reds are still in the mix for Zach Wheeler because, I, first of all, Wheeler is, uh, you know, he's been often fantastic you know, in, during his career, um, and he's been sort of up and down. But uh, Travis Sawchick, baseball writer who I, uh, who I really like, he tweeted uh, earlier today that Zach Wheeler can be a monster with pitch usage tweaks. Sounds right. Derek Johnson, Kyle Bodie's alley. The 100 million plus enthusiasm on the market makes sense to him. Now, okay, it's a lot of money, and so whenever we mention, oh, the Reds are in a market for somebody that's going to have to pay more than 100 million, we either hear uh, number one, the Reds don't have that kind of money; it's ridiculous, or number two, uh, Homer Bailey, Homer Bailey. Those are the two responses uh, that I hear on Twitter every single time, and uh, we can talk about that or not. I'm kind of tired of that whole. Uh, the Reds have the money to go get this guy if they want to go get this I'm, guy. I- I think you and I are both on record as saying that we're tired of the what money do they have or not have excuse. Like, yeah, whatever. They can't, afford, got, they can't afford not to. What, go Come ahead. on. You're a billionaire, Bob. You can buy whoever you want. I think at this point the Reds can't afford not to spend money to be competitive. It's, it's time. Yeah. They have to be competitive in 2020. So Zach Wheeler makes a, an already pretty good rotation amazing, frankly. Yes, um, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, would anyone have a top four like the Reds would have there? And DeSclafani potentially is the best best fifth starter in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, let's see. I mean, Bauer would be probably the number four in that rotation, right? Yeah. So and yeah, it would be Gray Castillo is kind of co number ones, I think, and then Wheeler, and then Bauer, and then Disco. And then if Disco gets hurt, you've got Molly. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, here's here's another reason why I like this this idea. I like the idea that if they sign, yeah, maybe they can look to a deal a guy like Bauer for someone that can help the team or even even prospects. Um, yeah. But when people come back at me and say, "But the Reds already have a great pitching staff," to that I say, "Okay, let's sign Zach Wheeler. It makes the pitching staff better for 2020." And then when Bauer leaves. They still have Zach Wheeler. 
And so it's yeah. so we already have guys under contract that are going to make. We'll have Castillo, Gray, and Wheeler the following year, you know, and the year after. So um, it really would give the Reds more certainty about having a top-notch rotation, as much as you can. Anybody can have certainty about pitching, but uh, I just think it makes it really creates more of a uh, a floor that the Reds aren't going to go beneath uh, after this year. So uh, right. it helps twenty twenty, but uh, also beyond. Can I give you a Can I give you a crazy stat real quick? I love me some crazy stats. So last year, uh, and I'm I'm using Anthony DiSclefani as the floor here. He had 2.4 wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs. All the disclaimers about pitching wins above replacement. Okay, right. So there were 58 pitchers on in all of Major League Baseball last year who had at least 2.4 wins above replacement. Okay, so an average of about two per team. If the Reds were to get Zach Wheeler, the Reds would have five of those 58 pitchers. <laughs> the Cincinnati Reds. They would have almost 10% of the top 50 pitchers, 58 <laughs> pitchers in baseball. <clears throat> it's, 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 it's kind of silly to think about, but it would, it, would, it would solidify an already good pitching staff, and then it would not uh, preclude the the need to go out and acquire at least one more bat, I think. But the Reds may just have to be creative, make a trade, something. I don't know to yeah. get that other other bat in in the lineup, at least one more bat. But uh, I just you got to prevent runs and you have to score runs. And so I'm all for uh, getting a guy like Zach Wheeler, especially a guy who he, he's already had his Tommy John surgery. You know, um, and he, you know he's got he has fewer yeah. innings in his arm than a lot of people because he did miss two seasons. And, you know, my, my understanding is, um, you know, and granted, it's super, super early. But on paper right now, before the Moustakis signing, the Reds were regarded as kind of like an 82 to 85 win team. It's important to note that they drastically underperformed their run differential last year. Like, right. they really did. So on paper, people have them as like 82 to 85 right now. Between Moustakis and if they were to sign Zach Wheeler... That really, that's enough of an upgrade to probably push them into the 85 to 90 win category range. So we're to where their floor kind of becomes, you know, barring something catastrophic, uh, 85 wins. And then you get one more bat, and then you might very well be favorites in the, in the division if you, if you get one more bat. Yeah, absolutely. I think the people that are just kind of, you know, rolling their eyes at the Zach Wheeler talk because the Reds already have good pitching are really missing uh, the, the, the big picture here. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a really good pitcher uh, when he's at his best. Um, and he's been pretty good his whole career. Um, yeah. Uh, three and a half to four win uh, pitcher, as my, again, pitching wins uh, the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, I just, he really improves the team. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm big time in favor of acquiring uh, Zach Wheeler. Uh, although, again, the caveat there is they have to go out and get someone else as well. Okay. So, uh what we've been talking about most of the uh the year is catcher, shortstop and outfield. I'm just not sure at this point that catcher there's going to be any upgrades to be had there. Yeah. Um since they missed out on Yasmani Grandal. Shortstop was interesting. I thought the Reds should have uh should have tried to acquire Jonathan VR um from the uh from the Orioles who the Orioles uh placed on waivers and he ended up getting traded to Miami for basically a nothing prospect seemed like to me the reds could have made a better offer than that um i'm i was more lukewarm than other people were on him um just because he really had only had the one really good season um and if you're trying to win now that's a little bit of a roll of the dice i think um you know he's had some real stinker seasons so it's like you might get last year jonathan vr but you also might get last year jose peraza well, I, I think he's had a couple of good years, um, but they, they, he's had some stinkers in between. I agree, and uh, yeah, I just thought for ten million for one year, uh, kind of a stopgap, uh, maybe. I thought it just made a lot of sense because I think it's a it's an upgrade over Freddie Galvis at shortstop. So, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Uh, I think it is an upgrade over Freddie Galvis, but I don't think the Reds are going for. I I think, I think the Reds are actually committed to to like winning, and I don't think they want. I think they want something that's as close to a sure thing as they can get. Okay. You know, that's the thing about Moustakis is he has been extremely consistent. Yeah, I can see that. You know, it's, it's a reasonable uh, – I just thought when he got, went for so so cheap in trade, I thought, oh, seemed like a way to upgrade. But it makes sense. Um, I do believe the Reds are actively pursuing uh, 
negotiations with uh, Didi Gregorius. We've talked about him a lot. I don't know whether they're going to be able to make that happen, but I think he's still absolutely a uh, uh, in the mix here. What do you think about if they add Didi Gregorius and uh, and sign Zach Wheeler? Are we okay? If that's it, yes. No. Really, no. You got to get one more back. Didi's not enough of a uh, an upgrade. Oh, I'm sorry. I misheard you. I thought you said if they don't get Didi. No, if they do get Didi. Then yes, that's enough. If they get Didi and Wheeler, that's enough. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's a pretty good team. Right. Yeah. And I'll leave it. Yeah, with- I was actually going to say that I think one of really one of two things happens. I think they I think either they sign Gregorius or they get a bat via trade. And there are a lot, a lot of bats on the on the trade block this year, at least reportedly. Speaking of reports, there are uh, continuing reports that Francisco Lindor is going to be available. Maybe not until the trade deadline, but that he will be available. Um, what about going with Galvis for half a season and acquiring Francisco Lindor for a season and a half? Oh, boy. I mean, cool, but that's taking a risk that you got the best package to get him. Big risk. Big risk because there will be a lot of teams after him. Yeah. Um, I would love for them to do something and get him right now, uh, get two seasons of Lindor, but uh, that, that's going gonna, gonna to be expensive but again that's a guy that moves the needle big time i mean i would i would trade if if i were talking to cleveland i would say you can have any four prospects you want except tyler stevenson and if they said well one of the prospects we want is tyler stevenson i would probably say okay yeah that's that's exactly what i was gonna say that's exactly right (laughs) Um, try to steer them away, but yeah. right. uh, you twist my arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't want to give up Tyler Stevenson because I think he's a uh, presuming health, which you can't do. But he's as much of a sure bet as anyone in the yeah. Reds minor league system at a, at a real position of need. Uh, so let's presume then for the moment that the Reds uh, continue to try to get Wheeler, but they're unable to upgrade at shortstop this offseason. Then I think it's probably uh, imperative. Not probably. It's absolutely imperative that they acquire. An outfielder, and so I want to mention some names to you, and uh, and see what your thoughts are. Uh, names that are uh, available, and that the Reds uh, have uh, maybe maybe not been connected to, but uh, I want to see what your thoughts are. The first are we're gonna, I want to mention, and I think you and I have talked about him previously, but it's Marcelo Zuna with the St. Louis Cardinals most recently, the Miami yeah, Marlins before that. Marcelo Zuna, uh, good glove. Um, has had a good bat at times. Uh, I'm good. You don't want I'm, Marcelo Zuna, right? I don't need Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> because Marcelo Zuna is, well, one, his glove, at least according to the metrics, hasn't been good for several years. Oh, is that right? I just I see the gold glove uh, at age 26, and I remember when he beat out, uh, yeah. who did he beat out for the Reds? Adam Duvall for a gold glove. Yeah. Yeah, a few years ago, but he, he's been a few years since he's had a really good defensive season. Um, but and my reasoning is, is quite simple, um, and I think I'm, I'm pretty much on record with this in various places. But essentially, in terms of overall offensive value, he's equivalent to Jesse Winker. Um, yes, he's a better fielder than Jesse Winker. So is, you know, your garden variety Cocker Spaniel. Um, Ouch! It's true, but it still hurts. <laughs> but you know, I don't think defense in left field in Great American Ballpark should be your top priority. Uh, and I don't see Ozuna being a big enough upgrade over, say, a Winker Urban Platoon that it merits being the place where they upgrade. Um, now, if you wanted to do some sort of weird. You know, and the thing about Ozuna also is he's, he's at least my understanding, is basically limited to left field. That's what I was going to uh, ask. You know, what if he could play right field? Does that change your... I mean, if you could mix and match with, say, Winker and Senzel and Aquino and Ozuna, then I might be more on board. Um, he has but, 60, 60 big league starts in right field. Yeah. So not many, but he has played there. Yeah. But out of... Yeah, so... I, mm, yeah, I don't think so. That's not where I'd want the money to go, personally. 
Yeah, the reason I put this on a tee uh, for you is because I wanted to talk about Jesse Winker for a moment. But the more I think about it, the more I think, mm, you know, if he can play right field, uh, maybe we can mix and match enough with uh, mm-hmm. Irvin and Aquino as your backup outfielders to really put together a pretty good outfield. Uh, but I did want to talk about Jesse Winker because, you know, the more <laughs> everyone kind of ignores Jesse Winker, and I've been a little guilty of it as well, I think. But we're talking he's, you know, 900 plate appearances into his uh, career, essentially. He's got a 120 OPS plus. Jesse Winker can flat out hit, and he's just going to be 26 next year. No, he can't hit right-handers. No, he can't play defense. But most of the or no, he can't hit uh, left-handers, excuse me. But if you spot him against right-handers, which is, you know, 80% of the games, he's going to be a serious hitter for the Reds, and I see no reason not to consider him as a, uh, with whoever you want to platoon him with, as a big piece in the next good Reds team. And I'm, so, I, I, man, I, I can't talk myself out of Jesse Winker, I guess is I, what I'm saying. I just had, I just had a mind-blowing thought. Are you ready for this? Well, I really don't want my mind to be blown, but I'll let you try. I'm taking I'm taking us into into a different realm where we discuss a different player, but, but come along with me, okay, Chad? Yes, I'm, I'm along for this ride, Jason Linda. Which major league park has the smallest left field? Um, I'm going to guess that it's probably um, Dodger Stadium. Chad, you're fired. Okay, sorry. Um, so... Fenway has the smallest left field. Okay. <laughs> also in the American League, where there's a designated hitter, where, say, your poor fielding outfielder could sometimes also be the designated hitter. You're trying, and, you're trying to trade Jesse. And that is a team, the team that plays there, the Boston Red Sox, are reportedly looking to trade their premier outfielder, uh, uh, Mookie Betts, in an attempt to cut costs. So then you get they get some control, some cost control, and some and some years of, still of, of low cost outfielder, and probably I mean some prospects too. Just Jesse Winker is not going to make it happen straight up. And then you just bring Mookie Betts on over, and then you can have and then if you want you can sign Ozuna, and then you can have Betts and Ozuna and Sinzel with Aquino as your primary backup. I just drool all over my microphone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the other thing is the Red Sox are uh, an extremely analytically inclined organization, so they will understand what Jesse Winker brings to the table. You know, I think you can make the case to them. Yeah, I mean, we're probably just dreaming. Oh, for sure. That's that's all that was. That was just a, like, you know, I just had had a little thought explosion. I was like, let's share this with... With the listeners. Uh, it's, it's fun to uh, engage in those occasionally. Or the viewers, uh, as you anachronistically call them. Exactly, the, the hashtag viewers. Um, well, that's interesting because I, I, I brought this topic up because I wanted to talk about how I think we should really consider Jesse Winker as a uh, as a real piece in the outfield. And so the Reds really, you know, if they can just get one other guy, Winker slash Irvin or whoever he's platooning with, uh, fantastic. Winker slash Aquino, you know, yeah. uh, platooning. Well, you know, I looked it up at one point, and and it is worth noting that Jesse Winker has a higher career OPS than any available free agent outfielder. Yeah, I believe it. Again, you got to you got to watch where you play him. Yeah, but you know, you can get him four hundred fifty, five hundred at bats. That's 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 fine, and he's going to be really good. So yeah, so you know, trade him for Mookie Betts if you can. If not, I'm okay with uh, riding with Jesse Winker. Um, now, next game, I, next name I wanted to mention to you was uh, Nick Castellanos. You know, I keep trying to, I keep hearing his name mentioned because he's a free agent, obviously, and yeah. uh, has been occasionally pretty good. Um, I keep trying to talk myself into him, and I'm having a difficult time talking myself. Are you having a similar? I can't talk myself. I don't. I don't understand what people see in him. I mean, he's been a bad average hitter. Huh? He's been a somewhat above average hitter. He has, but I mean, he's I mean, he's worse than Jesse Winker defensively. Yeah. I, I wouldn't take him over Winker. <laughs> like I don't understand. I don't. I don't know what people want there. I don't get it. I mean, I know that uh, he had a great run for the Cubs down the stretch this year, but and he, but he's had he's had times in the past where he's been, uh, you know, pretty good. You know, 2018 as a 26 year old for the Tigers had a really had a good season, uh, but he's you know never been more than. According to baseball reference, never even been a three win player. Two point nine is his high. Yeah, Fangraphs has him as three exactly in two thousand eighteen. So that's a good player. I, I want three win players, but 
You know, he's never. But it's not enough of an upgrade. It's the same deal with Ozuna. Like, I'm not saying that it's not like probably a little bit of an upgrade, but if the Reds are probably looking to add, I would guess just one more bat this offseason, That's not where I want him to do it. Well, I would hope for one that would be more of an impact. It's a, it's yeah. an upgrade, yeah. absolutely. I think, or at least more of a sure thing than what we already have. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping for, you know, I want someone that's going to improve the that whatever position. Uh, as much as Mustakas improves the Reds, you know it doesn't have to be a superstar, but it's got to be somebody that really kind of moves the needle in terms of what they can can provide to the offense. So, you know, uh, Castellanos, Castellanos, the way we'd pronounce it down these ways, Castellanos. So that's what I'm going to call him, Castellanos. I mean, you do you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it, but I can't get excited about that. Now the yeah. the name that I heard mentioned. And uh, I think I just uh, I, I think I heard C. Trent the Rosecrans mention this, so I don't know if there's anything really behind it or not. But it got me thinking an awful lot. Um, Pirates outfielder Starling Marte is reportedly uh, available in trade. Marte, um, the uh, as I believe the metrics show him to be a pretty good fielder. I don't know that he, uh, maybe last year he wasn't great, um, but uh, potentially could play center field. Mm-hmm. And you, and this is this is the name I was talking about earlier when I said uh, talking about Senzel, maybe moving Senzel to a corner. He could play in center field, or you could put him on one of the corners, Marte. But yeah. what I like about Marte is if they could trade for him, I don't know what it would take. He's going to make uh, I think twelve and a half million as the projection, uh, or maybe over twelve million in arbitrage. I think he made twelve million last year. Um, oh no, he's uh no, he's under contract. He's under contract. You're right. So. Um, He's going to make eleven and a half million next this coming year, and then the following year, there's a team option for twelve and a half million. So you could have two years of starting Marte. And what I really like about adding Marte to this lineup is that career uh, on base percentage of three forty one. Um, so you know, uh, it, it's a guy that'll get on base some, and uh, I think he fits awfully well. And again, it's a it's a situation where you get a guy that can uh, give you some certainty. Been, Awfully good in the past at times. Um, I think I, I think I would. Uh, that's a guy that I would target if I were Dick Williams and uh, Nick Crawl and Reds management. Any thoughts on starting Marte? Um, I would tend to agree. He seems like a really good fit. The walk rate is low, which means that a lot of that on base percentage is batting average dependent. Um, so that's you know that's always. But it's been consistent. Like he's held it. You know right. his his career batting average on balls in play is three forty two. Uh, that's almost auto levels. Um, and, but it has declined in recent years, you know, not, especially given that he's only under control to 2021 and probably, frankly, could be had for, for not a huge prospect haul. Um, I, would be, I would be pretty okay with it. But, you know, there's actually another name that's been dropped in trade rumors that would be very interesting, and his last name is also Marte. Well, I can't bring myself to dream about that, but hold on, hold on for just a second because I do want to talk about him. Um, okay. What I like about Marte is he brings a lot of what Mustakas brings, some certainty. Yeah. He's going to be a pretty good he, – he's, he's got a different profile, gets on base a little more, um, right. maybe a little better defensively. But but you only, you're only you only committed for two years, cheaper price than Mustakas in terms of the, the contract uh, amount, and um, and you're out after two years. Whereas with Mustakas, Mustakas we're probably going to have to see a decline on the back end of that. So, uh, but you want to talk about a different Marte, and that, of course, is Ketel. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I, I can't say that. I'm sure that I've heard it said on the broadcast a million times. And I can't. Uh, Ketel Marte is a uh, well, he's an infielder and an outfielder. For, uh, most recently with the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, he came up with Seattle, I believe. But yeah. um, this is a guy. He'll be 26 next year, and this is a guy that I would move heaven and earth. To have playing shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, what's what's remarkable about him, and I mean, it's it's just it's it would be in some ways the dream scenario is he has significant time in his career at shortstop, at second base, and in center field. You which, play, play many of those, yeah, yeah, and he's a switch hitter. <laughs> so, I mean, plug him in where you want to plug him in, and he can flat hit. Yes, well, I mean, he certainly had a breakout last year. Now, I do want to say that last year his batting average on balls in play was way up from where it had been in years past. Um, so, 
you know, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he's going to go back to his previous levels, but I think that that I think that last year might represent his his peak. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, I don't think we should expect a seven a seven wins above replacement player, but I do think we would be trading for something like a five wins above replacement player. Darker <laughs> spots where we have all of this flexibility. So then you've got him, you've got Sinzel, you've got um, you know Mustakis, who's probably pretty locked into second base unless Gino needs a day off. Um, but you know that gives you a lot of flexibility. You can move guys around potentially. You know you could have days maybe even where Galvis is at short and then. Sinzel's say in left and Marte is in center. You can do lots of things you can do. Um, you know, if you want to give, you could, Lord, you could platoon weaker that way. Oh, right. About, yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, you, there are all kinds of things, all kinds of things that you could do um, with, with that kind of, uh, with that setup. And that would just be an absolute dream. Yeah. Last year's probably a peak for the guy, but again, give me anybody that is a seven win player at age 25. Yeah. And he's going to be available uh, under. Let's see, he can't be a free agent until twenty twenty three. So you got uh, five full seasons of team control. Um, you know, I just uh, I, I don't know. The Diamondbacks are kind of a crazy organization. They are always seeming like they need to trade everybody to cut costs. Somehow mm-hmm. they always seem to jump into contention, uh, unlike the Reds. But uh, so I don't know if they're actively seeking to trade him. He's a relatively low cost guy for a while. So I'm not sure why they would. Um, but on the other hand, if there's an opportunity the Reds go out and get him, yes, absolutely. I'm afraid we may be stuck with Starling Marte, though. Darn. Well, that would be acceptable. It would be acceptable. It would be acceptable. So anyway, the Reds have to – I don't know who, the, who they're going to get. Uh, it's very likely, I would think, to be one of the names we've mentioned at some point in this, in this podcast, but they have to get one of these guys. Um, if they're going to be serious about uh, having an upgraded offense. Mike Moustak is not going to do it by himself. Now, another name that I think is really interesting, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, but uh, Blake Trinan, the uh, Oakland Athletics, did not tender him a contract, and he had a really bad 2019. There's no question about it. But man, this guy, evidently there's been a lot of interest in him. He's going to be 32 next year, but had, you know, just an absolute shutdown or reliever. Um really until this year, but uh, uh, this looks like a guy that I would love to see uh, pitching under Derek Johnson. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what he's going to cost. I don't know what the, uh, yeah, it's a reliever. So you got, but that's a, that's yeah. a guy that I would be interested in the Reds, uh, at least taking a flyer on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you definitely take a look at him and, you know, from his numbers, I mean, they got <clears throat> way out of whack. So that's either a mechanical flaw or he's hurt. Right. Yeah. I'm really surprised and, that he's, it makes me wonder if the A's know something that everybody else won't know until they do a physical. Um, it, often but, the A's know lots of things that everyone else doesn't know. Yeah. But, you know, I, I wonder, can we back up and, and talk about the outfield for just a second, one, one more moment? Yes. Because I am curious to think what, or I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Aristides Aquino, because I, I, I am, you know, certainly he faded, I think, as we should have expected him to. Because he couldn't do what he was doing forever, um, but I do think he—I do think he deserves at least a shot. I mean, everything I've heard about him is that he is the ideal player that you want in terms of he—he's easy to get along with, completely coachable, does whatever you ask him to do, which is how that whole breakout happened last year. Um, and you know that looks like the kind of thing that might well be maintainable um, to where you could have—I mean, if he's just if you just take his numbers that he put up last year as a whole, if if that were to become those were to become his regular numbers, I mean that that would play. That's a, a three to four win player right there. Uh, and I don't think he should automatically be relegated to the bench just because we're not sure exactly what we've got in him yet. I, I agree. Uh, you know, I, uh, this is he is the most difficult uh, name to discuss when it comes to the twenty twenty Reds in my mind um, because I just don't know what to make of him. I, I'm going to admit that I'm just I'm kind of baffled. I'm not sure what we can expect from him because uh, what he did in the last uh, year was really so far uh, so much different than everything else he'd ever done. But he did actually produce in 225 plate appearances in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, small samples, I guess, but uh, you know um, he did produce, and he's going to be 26. So you know, I you guess- know I remember 
there, there was some point in the midst of that like toward start that he had, but I went, you know, where they were, they were putting him up with all of these other players who had had similar starts or whatever. And I went and I looked all of those guys up and, you know, the real caveat here is the juice ball and blah, blah, all that stuff. But I looked all those guys up and none of the guys who started like he started turned into anything other, anything less than very solid everyday players. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it, there, there comes a point where it's like, if you're capable of being that good, even for a short stretch, it says something about your overall capacity as a baseball player. Um, and, you know, it kind of has an effect on what your floor should be regarded as, I think. So, and, you know, I, I would not complain if the Reds announced, I don't think they're going to, I mean, I think they're obviously looking for an outfielder, but I would not complain at all if they announced that he was going to get the everyday start in right field. I would also not be upset at all if he was, you know, the fourth outfielder, you know, who inevitably ends up getting, say, 400 plate appearances. That's the, that's the point that I think we need to remember is that there's going to be, there will be four outfielders that get 400 plus. Play. I mean, it's just the way it is. And, and as much as David Bell likes to mix and match, just because he's not necessarily the everyday starter doesn't mean he's not going to play. I just think that yeah. when, when it comes to Aquino, I fall back on my uh, off repeated uh, mantra that hope is not a strategy. And I'm just, if the Reds are really trying to win, I think you got to hope that he's the guy we saw in 225 plate appearances and then, uh, you know, for half a year in AAA. And man, do you really want to bank a team that has actual playoff aspirations on, on a guy you're just kind of hoping is that guy? Now, that being said, um, I think he absolutely should be in the mix. Um, you know, I think if he's the fourth outfielder, there's every. Uh, uh, you know, chance that someone's going to get hurt, and he's going to get a lot of plate appearances, and going to play a, you know every day. And I don't have any problems with him. I just don't know what to make of him because it's such a small. It's basically one season of being this type of hitter. And again, yeah. we've said I keep saying it every time because there's a reason why he got better. I mean, he made s- substantial changes to his approach and to his uh, stance, and uh, and it had real results. So it's not like it's a fluke necessarily. I just. You know, uh, I I'd be very surprised if he can uh, put up a 122 OPS plus over a full season uh, like he did in uh, in 56 games last year. Uh, if he can, I'll take that. It's better than just about anything else you're going to get. On the, I don't think I'd be surprised by that. I think mean, I think that falls within the meaty part of the bell curve. Are, are you willing to bet on that though? I don't know if I'd bet on it, but I don't know that I'd find it surprising either. I'm just saying that you got to be willing to bet that he can put that up if you're going to ride with him in right field, because that would be, you know, uh, as good as what you could expect to get off the uh, free agent market. But uh, I mean, I think I, I like I would take even money right now in terms of wins above replacement if they get the same amount of playing time. Aquino is better than Ozuna. Eesh, wow, I don't know. I don't know if I could go there. Um, I hope so. I mean, I like Aquino. I worry that it's just uh, he was such a legend in his first uh, few games as a Red that we all fell in love with him. And he is a very likable guy and certainly coachable as uh, demonstrated by the fact that he completely overhauled everything about his swing uh, and willingly in an attempt to get better. So uh, he's a guy that I would love to see succeed. He's good for the Reds. He's good for Cincinnati. Um I like guys like him. He kind of reminds me of Eugenio Suarez in a way. Just a just. There's nothing to dislike about the kid. Yeah. But uh, just, I'm just not willing to bet on it. I, and I think that's what you had, you'd be making a big bet if you didn't go out and acquire at least one outfielder. And I'm just. I said it at the beginning of the off season. If the Reds go into the the season with the current group of outfielders, I, I worry about their ability to compete. And I, I'm gonna kind of stick with that. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that another outfielder is going to need to be obtained, and on some level, I don't think. I don't think you can go with just basically Winker, Senzel, Aquino, and Irvin. There's too much uncertainty there. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I would hate to see him sign uh, Castellanos and uh, and him get, uh, you know, the, the lion's share of the starts, even though Aquino is outproducing him. And I could see that happening. You know, I like, I'd like Aquino to have an actual shot at winning the job is what I'm saying. But I'm just not willing to count on it. I'm not ready to hand it to him. So, all right, you want to answer uh, a few, few viewer mail questions, then we'll get out the door here. Yeah, let's go. All right, some uh, viewer mail questions uh, asked by our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio, where you too can support the podcast and ask your viewer mail questions. Joe Farsing, uh, 
Now, here's why I like Joe. First of all, that's a great name, Joe Farsing. Um, but he 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 rarely uh, may, asks questions here other than as an opportunity for him to uh, try to be funny, and I appreciate it. His question this week is, who would make your all-woodland creature team? Rob Deere? Elkie Cabrera? Joe thinks he's a comedian, doesn't he? He does. He does. I like some of the, uh, see, Nathan Connor chimed in with Rabbit Moranville and Marlon Bird. And then Joe had a few more. Dan Heron, Turkey Stearns, Robin Roberts. Can I can I can I go go for a real stretch here? Let's do it. Let's hear it. Giving somebody an additional nickname. Okay. What if we went with uh, Pokey the Snail Reese? Oh, that's horrible. No, we can't do that. So slow. See, <laughs> see the joke I'm making there. I see that. Yeah. Yikes. Um, I don't know, but Moose Mike Mustakis is going to be my uh, second baseman on that team. Stephen Offenbaker, our friend uh, and uh, the Hawaiian host of the uh, Reds Alert podcast, asks, it's my opinion that the Reds will sign one more free agent, that it will be an outfielder, that Galvis will be the open-day shortstop, and they'll sign Wheeler and look for bargain bullpen arms. What are your thoughts? Talk amongst yourselves. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, we kind of have already discussed that. Um, yeah. and I'm actually okay. If the Reds can really get an outfielder that moves the needle in terms of the offense, I'll ride with Galvis at shortstop, I guess. I just think there's an outfielder out there who will really move the needle is my issue. Thank you. That's, that's the key. Mark. I think it would have to come be a trade. I think the only, honestly, um, I think unless they unless they shock us all and sign Rendon, I think the only free agent out there who moves the needle for me right now in terms of position players is Didi Gregorius. Yeah, I think so. I think probably uh, that's the case. I just don't see the outfielders available on, uh, on the free agent market. And I think that the Reds could, I do think they will, and they have to. We just talked about it, acquire an outfielder. It may have to be by trade. I don't know. Um, what about this uh, What about this idea that I saw our, my buddy Chris uh, Garber float on uh, on Twitter, signing Anthony Rendon and then trading uh, Eugenio Suarez for whatever to uh, to fill in all the holes? I mean, I don't want to trade Suarez. Here, so all right, can I, can I, can I go controversial opinion here quickly, quickly? Baseball is fun, and I like winning, but I don't want to win with a group of strangers. That's no fun. They're not strangers if they're wearing the uh, same laundry that we're wearing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think Suarez. You know, I was looking at his numbers, and Lord knows what they're going to do with the baseball, but. Uh, you know, it would not be at all shocking. Like, it really, if you look at the numbers, would not be shocking if he were one of the top five home run hitters in team history by the end of his contract with a real shot to break the franchise record. Yeah, I think it's true. I think so, it's true. I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not trade, I'm not trading Gino unless somebody knocks my door down. The point, though, is that uh, somebody might be willing to knock your door down, and if you could uh, acquire Rendon and then you could really fill in some holes or uh, you know, replenish the farm system, or really help the organization take a step forward, uh, because Suarez has some real value out there. I don't want to trade him either. I want him to be one of the centerpieces of the next good Reds team. I'm the same way. I just like the guy. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, I just just something to talk about. Andrew Scott Wills asks, hash brown viewer mail, anything special planned for episode number 300? Let me just uh, say that I did have some plans for something for episode 300 that uh, looks like it's not going to happen. May have to push it back to episode 350. But uh, uh, yes, yeah, stay tuned. Okay, stay tuned. It may not be episode 300 that we can do anything special. But the, the second thing is, my goodness, our next episode is going to be number 300. That is crazy. How can anybody have put up with us for this long? Well, see, the the, the joke there is that no one actually listens. No one, so. except your mom. Hi, Chad's mom. Exactly. She's been our loyal listener from all the of, beginning. All of these, all of these uh, thing, all of these viewer mail questions uh, are just names that Chad makes up that of questions that his mom. It's not in. actually true. My mother has actually created uh, you know like fifty Patreon accounts, and she just. Uh, <laughs> She's our fighting. Yes, yes, it's really, it's sad. So I'm going to walk upstairs after this is over and thank her. Clayton Duncan asks, do you think the Reds will deal Roselli Glacius at the winter meetings? The winter meetings, of course, begin Sunday in San Diego, and they will last through Thursday. Do you think the Reds will deal Roselli Glacius at the winter meetings? Probably not. I think they, you know, he's probably, this, his value has never been lower but I don't think the Reds would be hesitant to deal Rizal Iglesias. I'm just not going to 
not going to bet the ranch on him actually going well, sometime next week. Yeah, do I think it will happen? No. Would I be surprised if it happened? Also, no. Right, right, right. Now, I think they should be uh, trying to uh, yeah. uh, deal him, if, if possible, in the right deal. Not that I don't like Iglesias. I think that he can still help this team. Nathan Connor asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio, 20 years ago, Jim Bowden famously promised and failed to bring Junior home, quote-unquote, from the winter meetings. I generally think the winter meetings fail to live up to the hype that something big will happen. But things are different this year. Does Dick Williams do something special next week or at least lay the groundwork for a blockbuster? In my opinion, it's most likely that anything that happens next week will be laying some groundwork. But I could absolutely see the Reds having serious, serious conversations about any some kind of a blockbuster deal. I mean, I think they're really looking to do something that's going to, again, I'm going to say it, move the needle. And and that, that could really move forward next week. I think next week what's likely to happen is that rumors are going to start leaking out about what the Reds are actually looking to do, and we'll have some sense of what's going to really happen. Uh, you know, right now we've got some rumblings, but Zach, Zach Wheeler is the only thing that seems to really be uh, solidly out there. Um, and I'm sure that there's more coming, but we don't really know what it is yet. And, you know, Moustakas, I think, caught pretty much everybody off guard, so it'll be very interesting to see, uh, to see what happens with the Reds. Yeah, you're going to get everyone in the same hotel, and not just all the GMs and all the front office people, but you're also going to get all the agents. And so there are going to be lots of rumors coming uh, the next week or two. And so we're going to hear a lot of things about what the Reds are thinking and who they're talking to. So um, good question, Nathan. Hooper Powell asks uh, two questions here. The first one Jason and I will dispense with quickly because I'm pretty sure we agree. Uh, The second one, I don't know if we agree, but I'm going to dispense with it quickly because it's so obvious. First question, saw that uh, Addison Russell wasn't tendered a contract. Would it be a risk to bring him in to play shortstop? The answer to that is twofold. Number one, he would be a uh, really big upgrade at shortstop. And no, absolutely not. Uh, the Reds aren't going to take the PR hit that's required and uh, and should not to bring in Addison Russell. Anything you want to add on that? Yeah, no, I agree fully. I mean, yeah, no, just I, I'm not touching that guy with a, with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't get into much of that stuff, but this is a guy that just, you know, I mean, he would be a huge upgrade, but come on, some things, uh, no thanks. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, second question by Hooper Powell. Favorite late night talk show host, past or present, and Benny Hill doesn't count. Can you believe he would eliminate Benny Hill from the conversation right from the outset? I'm going to be real with you. I have no idea who Benny Hill is. So, <laughs> Really? I really don't. Benny Hill? No idea. Oh, man, you mean when you were, were like, uh, you know, 12 years old, you didn't sneak to watch Benny Hill at 1.30 in the morning? I, I did not, apparently. Also, fine, I'll go to Wikipedia, cheese. <laughs> Do it after the podcast. Favorite late-night talk show host, past or present, could it be anyone other than David Letterman? Come on. Uh, he's, he is kind of standard. I mean, he's, it's, it's, This is the world's most dangerous podcast, after all. We're answering actual letters from actual viewers in honor of David Letterman. It's obviously Letterman. So I have to point out, Chad, that Benny Hill was not on the air when I was 12 years old. So there you go. Oh, he was in reruns forever. I'm sure he wasn't on the air when I was 12. I don't know, but it uh, seemed like it was. Uh... He was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you for pointing out that I'm so much older than you. That's what I'm pointing out, yes. <laughs> Nathan Connor asks, because I'm trying to avoid the conversation of my age, um, $100 million for Zach Wheeler. That's a lot. Is it possible the Reds are bidding up the market on free agent pitchers in order to make their own staff more attractive to clubs looking to add an arm via free agent or trade. Well, it's an interesting, uh, it's a creative way of looking at it. I think the Reds are bidding the market on uh, Zach Wheeler up because the Reds want to get Zach Wheeler. Yeah, I think it's been interesting. There have been a couple of signings already this year that seem to indicate that the free agent market has thawed a little bit from what it has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, I I, I think that, you know, initially, like, you know, Grandall got more than I thought he would get from the White Sox. Moustakis got more than I think most people thought he would get. And I think that, you know, that seems to be the trend. And and Wheeler is getting offers uh, bigger than what he was. And, you know, who knows why? I mean, the the relations between ownership and the players right now are are not good. And there could be any number of possible motivations for for why why these contracts are getting handed out like they are. But it's, uh, yeah, the market seems to be different this year than it has been in years past. Yeah, I mean, I like the uh, creative thinking there, um, Nathan, but... 
On the other hand, I just think the Reds are really actually trying to make a competitive offer for Zach Wheeler, and and I just whether they get him or not, I want the Reds to be trying to pay uh, to get good players, and sometimes that means you got to pay them what they what they cost, and so I'm just uh, I'm okay with it. All right, uh, that that'll let's stick a pin in uh, in episode number two hundred ninety nine. You all know where to subscribe to the podcast. Everywhere you find podcasts, Red Leg Nation Radio is going to be there. You can follow us on Twitter at Red Leg Radio. He's at Jason Linden. I'm at Dotson C. And you can go to RedLegNation.com where you can uh, read about uh, the Reds, and we've been talking about them every day since 2005. Uh, if you like the podcast, leave us a rating or review um, wherever you find, especially uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts. As we say, if you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Any final thoughts for us, Jason? Go Reds. Get all the good players. <laughs> yes, absolutely. For Jason Linden and Bullwinkle J. Moose, this is Chad Dotson saying... So long, everyone. A thunder of jets in an open sky, a streak of gray, and a cheerful... A loop, a whirl, and a vertical climb, and once again, you'll know it's time for the adventures of... Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends. Starring that supersonic speedster, Rocket J. Squirrel, with his pal, Bullwinkle the Moose, and a host of others. Hurry, Bullwinkle! The show's about to start! I'm coming as fast as I can! Wave to the people! Yay! Now what are you doing? Sign an autograph for Steve John Smith. But your name is... I know, but that's hard to spell. We're going to have a lot of fun. Come on and join us. Sure, there's always room for one more. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.